Everyone, we're back here on the sofa at the business show, and I'm delighted to be joined by Dan Mellons Cohen. And we had a rapid conversation earlier about what you do and what we do, and we decided, well, we should talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for joining us on the Irish Pod. Um, we're sure everyone's going to be excited to hear what you've got to talk about. And and Dan, you run a company called BCMC Global. No, I don't run the company. Oh, I okay. wish I did. That would be marvelous. Or then there'd be a lot more stress involved. I am the mere content producer. What I do run is the YouTube channel associated with the company, uh, which I decided to call Inside Marketing. Inside Marketing, and uh, you've got a podcast launching soon, but loads of great content already there. Yes. What's the kind of subject matter that you talk about? I mean, it seems quite obvious with a name like Inside Marketing, but... I guess it does. Yeah, so basically the company itself is involved with um, like B2B events and media marketing, that kind of thing. So to try and go in the broader thought leadership side of things, uh, we talk a lot about marketing and marketing challenges and solutions, of course. The, the things that dip, I come to a lot of events like this, talk to people like you. It's lovely being on this side of, a, of the interview table for once uh, and being asked the questions, not trying to think of questions to ask. Yeah. But yeah, basically, I, I talk to people like you about marketing, about your challenges, what you think are the big trends at the moment. Uh, and a lot of the, the key both mistakes and solutions that people have to them. How important is, um, you know, whether it's podcast, video, that kind of media output that really yeah. allows really every size of company now to tell their story in their own words? Yeah. Oh, how important is it? I mean, video content is king is, is the current expression doing the rounds. I mean, when I started, it was content is king, but that's been updated. If you're not doing video, you're just you're not doing marketing. End of story. Because that's where people are looking. They can take it with them. It's on their device. It's mobile. It's accessible. Um, and I guess video. But really, what we talk about is the importance of the words being spoken. The audio is yeah. is the quite often missing component. Actually, absolutely. I mean, I'm an audio nerd at heart. That's where I came from. I did a degree in music technology. I worked in radio. I was literally, as I just said to you before. I was doing broadcast quality podcasts before the word podcast existed. Uh, that's a fact. You can look it up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can actually look it up. I think that was kind of the problem. Anyway. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, audio very much my thing has been all my life. Uh, so Why yeah. is it then that the audio, because, you know, you've got lovely cameras, you know, we've got the setup here. And I think quite often the bit that's forgotten is, well, is the quality of the microphone and is the production quality of... Uh, the audio and the actual storytelling matching the pictures. Why is it that we can look at a TV screen in 8K, but the quality of the audio is just a cruddy, crammed, compressed load of rubbish? Oh, absolutely. And the irony being that studies have shown time and time again that people would much rather, they're much more comfortable with a degraded visual but high-quality audio because if the audio degrades, you can't make sense of what's happening. Usually, you can make a huge amount of sense out of a very small amount of visual data. And I think it's, 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 it's kind of perverse that precisely because of that, we put a lot more stock in the visual. So we, we all see the visual and think we need that to be perfect and crystal clear and beautiful and nicely balanced, well-graded, well-shot, well-framed. But actually, most of that could go in the bin and you'd still be able to follow what was going on. But if the audio is degraded to the point where you can't make out all the words, and not just not some of the words, not make out all of them, you've no idea if your message is getting across at all. And a lot of the time, it's not even being heard. I think it's so important. I mean, my voice is failing me. I unfortunately don't have COVID, but I have some other kind of cold thing. I've got to do a keynote tomorrow at the show. I'll just take a and, sit back. And, uh, yeah, move over. <laughs> uh, it, if, 
if people can see me on the stage but they can't hear what I'm saying, that's going to be a pretty rubbish keynote. What precisely? You might have to step in. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> or we'll just like get a stenographer on the side and get, get yeah. subtitles. Punch it up on the screen. Um, so, you know, we had that conversation earlier. I guess when you're producing particularly uh, content that's maybe on site, you know, you're out and about, you're in a location where you can't control a lot of the factors that are going on. Oh, well, yeah. What is it about that environment that's so challenging for a content producer, particularly on the audio side? And what tools are you currently using, but also feel that there's a gap in the market to really give that chef's kiss level of production, as our as our uh, uh, audio engineers would say? Absolutely. Um, so the biggest problem is, uh, unsurprisingly, which is kind of why we're sat here talking, is getting a clear audio signal. That again, it goes back to this thing. I've got videos up. Some do better. Some of the more successful ones, you'll see, will 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 jiggle all the time uh, because there's only you're, yeah we're in the middle of a busy uh, thoroughfare a lot of the time. Just people walking near your tripod, let alone on the tripod, moves that bit of flooring and it all jiggles. No one cares. But if they can't hear what's being said, or, or worse, they have or not worse. If they have to struggle to hear what's being said, they'll just give up. So noise reduction is. A big problem that um, one of the things I found because uh, I use little um, wireless mics, the, the road ones, on, on the little plastic stick. And one of the problems I found is there is a sweet spot that is basically impossible to reach between having it close enough that you get a really clear signal from your voice, but at the same time, not so close that it starts clipping. Because I'll, I'll regularly hold my mic like this, and I found getting home because I can't monitor in real time because I'm trying to run an interview. I can't also have a thing in my ear and loads of other stuff going on and I don't have a helper. So it's either going to come out crackly or it's going to come out noisy. Uh, I've just got to pick my poison. And that's hard enough for me as someone who knows about the kit and is walking around with it day in, day out. I have to then give the other mic to a guest and just hope that they they actually remember the advice I gave them about where to hold it. But nine times out of ten, they'll, they'll pick up their mic. They'll go, oh, yeah, well, thank you very much. It's very nice to talk to you. Anyway, I love doing this interview. And within about a minute, their hand's down here, and you're capturing nothing. And you're like, whoa, whoa, can you just pick it up? And then it goes the other way. Another screw into the mic like some kind of <laughs> 90s MC. And just then you end up with this signal that's all over the place. And the final thing I want to say about background noise, which is particular to events, the background noise are other people talking. Yes. Which means all the frequencies of the exact that you're trying to eliminate are also the ones you're trying to preserve. And so finding something that's, something that's tailored to exactly that kind of challenge is really a, a, a compelling thing. You want to know what my current solution is? Well, I, I think you might have articulated our problem statement uh, quite, <laughs> quite uh, probably better than, than, than we ever have. It's definitely the problem. So what, what tools are currently there? Obviously, you've got ways of you know, using physical uh, yeah. shielding or whatever it might be. But there are some software solutions out there, maybe yeah. not geared up for this exactly and maybe not as lean as they need to be for certain yeah. production levels. And I think that's the thing. You, 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 as always, you pick your poison. So um, obviously there is the, the king of noise reduction. No offense. I, I, I don't know Iris Darity well enough until I came to this stand, obviously. Uh, but the one that, that has just been the, the industry standard, shall we say, has been Isotope RX. And yeah, it is amazing. But my 
God do you pay for it. <laughs> they will bleed you dry with every new version. But it is very good at what it does. They, yeah, The fact that they've got two different ways of dealing with it, depending on your use case between um, voice denoise and dialogue isolate, that's very useful. It does work very well. But it is slow uh, on a lowly consumer PC. And that round trip can be really laborious. Now, I come out of a shoot, and I've now got, at a minimum, two audio channels per interview, usually like eight, nine interviews to go through. That's now 16, 17 pieces of audio I've got to clean up, all of which need slightly different tweaking because they were all recorded in slightly different ways. So you can't just come up with a, an automatic, um, what's the word? macro list and just hit go and yeah, then it run through varies, the batch right? processing that's yeah. you, it i've tried it it doesn't work you always end up having to go in uh, back to the original and make corrections so that side of it doesn't work then you've got uh brand new tools in like davinci resolve came out uh, literally like a week or so ago uh although i think it's limited to the paid for version only again very expensive um where they now let you do inline dialogue isolation but it has its limits. It, it works in theory. It does do the job. But I've already found in using it twice that over a protracted piece of audio, that varies a lot. And you don't get that consistency of signal. And in many ways, at an event, I'd rather have a bit too much noise, but it be consistent than it constantly be dipping in and out. Yeah. And the volume levels, it not. I suspect this is an AI problem. I think they have an issue where it's trying to pick up on different vocals, but it's like, I don't know if you heard that laugh. Yeah, that, that laugh kind of breaking through. Now, it would have bounced that and added volume to that because it's gone, well, that's a voice. I need to raise that. And that's not valuable to me. That makes my life harder. Yeah. So I need something that knows how to reject that kind of thing. It, it is an AI problem. In it, and I guess, you know, not to pump our own tires, but just to talk about the facts, the real-time version of Iris Clarity, which you know, has many thousands that many thousands of users on uh, on the desktop version for online meetings, um, even more thousands in the call center environment. Um, again, you know, we're trying to clear out noise so that a conversation can take place. Or maybe about an important matter, bank details or whatever. But that, uh, and then, you know, exciting use cases, we've got the F1 simulator. You need to have a go, by the way. Oh, of course. I never be. turned down an opportunity yeah. to have a play on a, an F1 simulator. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, some of the, the other exciting use cases around, you so know, So I do have to pause you on that, just because something yeah. tweaked in my brain. That if you've seen other, inter which are we on that camera? We're on this or one. Both, or we'll go on that one. If you've seen uh, one of, uh, several of my other interviews where I've specifically mocked the F1 simulator, this is a rare instance where it has real value. Because my big bugbear with those things is they have nothing to do with the company that's actually using it to get people in. In which case, you've brought a load of people in who aren't interested in what you have to offer. But you were telling me before why that's here. This actually is very specific to what you do. That yeah, was all I wanted to exactly. say. Exactly. Well, it is relevant. You know, the rigor. Say things in the comments. Rigor, the rigor of developing a technology for a fast paced, you know, pinnacle of motorsport and also. No NASCAR that we're working with at the moment um, in the US is it challenges you to solve problems and then you can take that solution and apply it to everyday use cases. People at home, people working from the coffee shop, from a WeWork where they can't you know have the luxury of a meeting room whenever they yeah. need to speak to someone. There's a solution that's born out of these high tech industries. But the, the main question that we got asked after we attended last year is, 
Can I also use that technology in post-production? Yes. And that, <laughs> Guess what my question was when I came to this stand? And the answer is yes. Um, and launching later this week is Iris Clarity Studio, which is a post-production suite that will allow you to do that um, at a varying level of subscription, depending on how many hours or whatever you're going to use. So uh, we're delighted to have you part of our beta group and well, give I us advice. Um, I'm delighted that you invited me. And I think one of the things, uh, just to pick up on a couple of the features that you talked about, sometimes you want to integrate 20% of the noise. You want the voice to be more yes. punchy, but you want to take away not all of the noise. You still want to have the ambience. I literally struggled with this yesterday where I overcooked it on uh, Isotope and in my laziness, tried just bringing the camera audio in slightly in the background so that you'd hear the background noise. Didn't really work. I had to go and do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a key feature. Uh, it's in the real-time app. It will be in the studio app. Um, I think the other one that you picked up on is volume leveling of... If I'm speaking over here or speaking really quietly or speaking really loud into the microphone, that's actually very neurologically draining. You're either having to listen closely or, whoa, that's a, that's a bit much. So AI to bring the levels is another feature which you might be Very much so. By. If it can do it accurately, that would be brilliant. Because uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you've probably noticed the same as you've been interviewing people. The tendency that people have is the more intense they get, the closer to the mic they get. Yes. And actually, that's the opposite of what someone who's trained does. The more and you'll see this with very trained singers as well. The louder they get, the further away they get from the microphone to try and keep a consistent balance so that when they get all the way up here, it still sounds the same to the ear. But most people don't do that. They, they, they get emotional, so they really want to get into it. And that's when you're left to spike like that. Tiana behind the cameras here is probably freaking out about how we're going to level this all out after we've just done that not, demonstration. Not, not with... Not, not with well, no, 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 no. Careful, careful. <laughs> let's not get too salesy. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Yes. Podcasts. That's a big thing now. Oh, yeah. So you, you started with an RSS feed with essentially uh, radio, but on the internet. Yeah. In 2003. Yes. Uh, that was a, a, a dance music-based radio show called circumference uh still rather proud of it i think we did a good job um uh, basically we were working on a station that folded and we believed in the show so we thought we want to keep it going uh so we had already started uh, making it available as a stream online everyone turned around to us and was saying you should start an online radio show so yeah who the hell in 2003 is going to make special time to go to their pc go to a website that's not one they normally go to and, and, and listen on Real Player, as I think it was at the time. Real Player, yeah. I remember that. To a stream of a radio show. No one's going to bother. That's crazy. It'll just be a waste of time. So I put it up on the, just as an MP3 on the server each week and updated that file for people to download. But I'd read about RSS and I knew people were doing news feeds and stuff and discovered there was a small but growing group of people who'd figured out that you could set your RSS feed up to download an MP3 automatically. Really? Uh, which is exactly what your podcast player is doing every time you listen to a podcast. It's checking an RSS feed for a link, going to the link, downloading the MP3 and playing it back to you. But that word wasn't a thing at that point in 2003. So we just started doing it. Where did it, did it come from the pod? 
the iPod. Is that why it was called a podcast? Yeah, I, was, I, I presume so. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure. We'll fact check that. Yeah, we, it's quite an interesting one. I actually one. don't know what the root. Presumably, it came from the iPod. I can't think, think what else it would be. I mean, the friction, like you say, to access just an absolute wealth. I mean, some total shit, but um, you know, a wealth of amazing, you know, content, current affairs, people talking and educating others about subject matter that they are truly passionate yes. about. I mean, some people. You know, just starting a podcast because it's kind of cool. I want to be like Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, it, it's just, uh, it's just a completely frictionless process, and that's probably why the boom has happened. And... Absolutely, yeah. I think it was also sort of the prevalence of devices. It's the fact that it's grown ever since devices became more portable than they were static and standalone. So we grew up in an era where the main digital machine was the compute, the family computer or the office computer or computers. But now your main, yeah, your main device for, for doing computer and digital stuff is the phone in your pocket and people are walking around with, with earbuds on all the time. So it doesn't surprise me that it's the boom of the podcast era. And it's, I mean, where do you see it going next? Because you can, you already see, you know, we've got a podcast. Yeah. We're a company. Why have we got a podcast? Great storytelling, great networking. Yeah. Um, you know, not really talking so much about the product always, just around the product and the, and the problem and the environment that we're trying to solve for. It's a powerful way of getting a story across. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. The, the, I mean, I, I think we'll see an end to this everyone should be making a podcast all the time because there'll be i mean it's already uh, arguably it's already oversaturated yeah uh, so there will come a point where it will no longer be financially sensible for companies to put lots of money into doing a podcast when there's too many to find anyone to listen to but on the other hand what will happen i think as has happened with the internet uh, and every other digital revolution there'll be that the second tier is the nicheification where you find your community and your active voices, people get over eventually the idea that you, you don't need millions upon millions upon millions of people hearing your message because you know, you, you, you're not offering a service that's of value to millions and millions of people in that way. It, it, so it's better to have an empowered niche. And I think that sort of communi communita communifying, if that's not a real word. Is that word. a word? No, it's not. Why not? It Communitifying of, of, of businesses, I think, is probably where it is. The, what I'm seeing a lot, it's certainly like with the media and the YouTube space, is that it starts with building the channel, then they might build the sort of podcast to go alongside it, then they get the merch store, then they get the fan store, then they start building out, like, very much the community side of it, then they'll do real-life meetups and stuff. So I think it's really about the big small community you've missed my favorite step in that process because then you release the nft <laughs> that's how i feel about it i almost walked off my own podcast <laughs> i i hate all that stuff it's ridiculous and it's now, just about to now don't get up. me wrong there is a use case for the concept of what an nft oh, is 100 percent. yeah the idea of something on the blockchain that is verifiable by multiple places as being the original Absolutely is very very agree. useful not for the art world. Yeah. Because it's not what you're buying. But that's a whole other debate. Really. No, I, I am quite uh, I'm quite vocal about this. And actually, some of the guys are like, I'm not sure you can, you should continue to to uh, 
to rain on the parade of the metaverse. I'm oh, like, you no, just caught me. I'm no, I, I'm going to rain on its parade, and rightfully so, because... Oh, I, have I done a video for you? Have you really? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's actually my most popular video at the moment, is one basically me spending three minutes slamming the, multi, uh, the metaverse. Do you know what's funny though? Again, it's another example. We, we were fortunate enough to go to South by Southwest. I say fortunate Ooh. enough. It, it was good in many ways, but it was also massively overloaded with NFTs, complete Crypto bros. Like, and, and the metaverse. And I just thought to myself, at every session, I did not see, other than gaming, which I get, and social media type communities, I cannot see how slamming some virtual goggles on and walking into my virtual meeting room with my colleagues streamlines anything until and the second thing is once again audio was the forgotten part to this yep. the visuals yeah okay i can move around in this three-dimensional space but the audio was again a forgotten sense quite we repeat the same mistakes. Oh yeah, it's been an issue in VR for for as long as VR's been a thing. Uh, uh, trying to uh, half the time headsets like come with terrible ear covers. I'm not even going to go so far as to call them headphones. Uh, but the, uh, then you've got problems around spatial audio and both the delivery, capture, and presentation of spatial audio. How you make that work? And yeah. as you rightly said, the problem with voices. Yeah, that it just. The way we hear people speak and the way we infer things from what we see and relate that all, none of that comes together in VR. They're so separate that if you're not, you, it's not like, so if I look at you, I find it easier to hear you because I'm matching up the mouth movements that, that act as a corrective layer. But on the basis that that mouth movement is the thing that, it, it, the mouth movement creates the sound in the real world, but in the virtual world, the mouth movement is created from the sound. So you can't trust that lip flap thing. That's in any way, it's not going to be very useful to you. It's just a, a in the metaverse as it currently stands, it doesn't even move like a proper mouth. No. So you can't combine those things, and therefore you end up. I know they've been trying to do things where, like, the further you get from the thing, the quieter it is. But that means that now you've got the same problems as you have in real life, which you could fix where you. It's like you, you can't just focus and say, I want to hear that person all the time, but nobody else. Yeah. But if I get close to them and do this, I then want to be able to hear them. It's, it's a lot of extra work. Yeah, it, I think so. I, I think it's that friction point. Again, I, I don't think it's frictionless. But anyway, we're, we're straying into, uh, into controversial. It's not that controversial. We're straying into adjacent territories, yes. shall we say. Um, Dan, it's been wonderful to have you on the, Thank you. It's been on the great Iris being pod. Here. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Um, understanding about the use cases for the technology that we provide, but also understand what you're doing, the channel you're building, inside marketing. People should check that out. Where can they find it? Is there a URL? So, well, or... yeah, uh, on YouTube, thanks to the wonderful world of handles that they now are, it's slash at inside underscore marketing, which looks much better than it, than it says out loud because all the channels now have an at at the beginning. They but do. Inside underscore marketing. Excellent. Is how you'll find that one. BCMCglobal.com is the website if you want to see what, uh, what we do as a wider business in the marketing space. If I don't get the plug in, my boss will probably be annoyed with me. <laughs> That's the whole point of this thing. Exactly. <laughs> plug away. Excellent. Dan, thanks so much. No, thank you. It's been awesome. Cheers. Guys, thanks for joining this episode of the Iris Pod live here at the business show. Uh, we've got loads more content coming up. 
I don't know who we're, we're speaking to loads of people tomorrow. Um, and also we're at the call and contact center expo next week in this same venue. Unfortunately, we have to dismantle the stand and put it all back together again. Oh, I'm going to be at the uh, marketing tech expo right here next week. Well, there we week. go. We can hang okay, out again. Then. Excellent. Yeah. See you again soon.